Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, my beloved St. James family and friends. I greet you this morning with Jesus' joy. This is the day that the Lord hath made. And of course, we are rejoicing and we are glad in the blessing of the day. Certainly grateful and thankful to have this opportunity and this privilege to join you this Tuesday for Bible study. Of course, today we are strictly virtual. We are totally virtual on Bible study today um, as we are planning or were planning to be in attendance to the General Baptist State Convention. But of course, St. James family, as you know, First Lady uh, took ill on on us over the weekend. And uh, we're certainly grateful and thankful that she is improving quite nicely, but uh, felt it necessary should I end up at convention uh, to go ahead and make sure that Bible study went forth, whether I went to convention or chose to stay close to home to take care of her. But nevertheless, I'm grateful that we have this opportunity to connect, to walk through the word of God as we are continuing our study of the book of Leviticus. Today, we're going to jump into Leviticus chapter number 10 uh, today as we wrap up our unit of study uh, that deals with setting sights on the standards for spiritual leadership. Uh, We're wrapping up that study today. And as we walk through the word of God, uh, we've looked at chapter eight, which dealt with the consecration and ordination of Aaron and his sons to the call and to the role of serving as high priest. Last week, we looked at the continuance of that as it related to preparing them to begin the actual work of serving in the role of high priest. Uh, today's lesson takes a turn, and uh, but it's still an important lesson, I believe, uh, as we continue to walk through the word of God and continue to gain understanding of the three standards for spiritual leadership that are found in the book of Leviticus. But before we go any further with our study, let's take a moment. Let's pray. Let's seek the Lord and let's seek his guidance and his wisdom as we prepare to walk through his word today. Pray with me now, if you will. Most holy and all wise God, we say thank you for blessing us with life another day. Thank you for waking us up this morning and starting us on another day, giving us grace and mercy, new mercies you give us each and every day of our lives. And for that, we want to say thank you. God, I say thank you for the word that we are about to dive into. You tell us in your word that we should study to show ourselves approved unto you, workmen that are not ashamed, one who rightly divides the word of truth. So God, I pray now that as we go through your word, help us to dig into your word, that we might pull out those nuggets that we can apply to our lives and we can apply to our hearts that we might not sin against you. As always, God, I ask for clarity of speech, clarity of thought, that we will rightly divide this your word to these your people. God, I'm so glad to know that there is still power in your word. There's still instruction in your word. There's still inspiration and information in your word. But above all, God, I'm thankful that our steps are ordered by your word. Lead us and guide us in this moment of time. And we, in this moment of time and teaching, and we will be found giving your name, the praise, the glory, and all of the honor. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, we pray and praise. Amen, amen, and amen. To God be all of the glory. So, so far in our study of this second lesson of the book of Leviticus, as we have dealt with the standard of worship and chapters one through seven in chapters eight, nine, and 10, we looked at the standards for spiritual leadership. You remember that the first thing we said was in chapter eight, um, the first standard for spiritual leaders is a leader must be one that submits to God's authority. One who understands, one who realizes that their assignment is to fulfill what God has given them to fulfill. 
It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with our titles. It has to do with making sure that everything we do brings glory and honor and not shame to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we began there in chapter eight, watching the actual uh, ceremony of ordination, or shall we say consecration, take place for Aaron and his sons. Last week and the week before as well, we looked at the second principle that dealt with it. Not only must we submit to God's authority, but spiritual leaders must reveal or must be a reflection of God's glory. Everything that Aaron and his sons were told to do by Moses, they had to be found carrying it out to the letter, to the very point that God had instructed Moses. One of the things that we have said, even in our study of the book of Exodus and Leviticus, is understanding that God is a God of specifics. God says what he means, he means what he says, and he expects whatever he says to be followed and to be carried out to the letter of which he uh, gives the instructions. We found that out last week. Um, with the sacrifices on the altar. We dealt with that last week um, in chapter nine, understanding that whatever God said to Moses, Moses said to Aaron and Aaron had to carry it out. That's important for us today as we look at chapter 10, because in chapter 10, after such a great um, consecration ceremony in chapter eight of Aaron and his sons, after seeing them begin the work of carrying out the sacrifices at the altar, watching the glory and the presence of God fall, and then seeing God's people being blessed in the final verses of chapter nine, we get to chapter 10. And in chapter 10, a day that should have ended with glorious worship, instead ends up in the tragic death of two of Aaron's sons. We are actually going to see the death of Nadab and Abihu in this classic passage of Leviticus chapter 10. I have preached from this passage a couple of times very early in my ministry, and I just couldn't help but look back at this lesson and see that there was so much that I missed in the early days of preaching from this particular passage. But there is a very vital point that I want to make sure that we see as we look at this chapter. We've talked about being submissive to God's authority. We've talked about revealing God's glory in our actions. In today's lesson, we're going to see that when things are not done like God said, do them, there are consequences. And with that consequence comes discipline. The third point for those of you who have the handout, the third point from today's lesson is simply this. The third standard for spiritual leaders, not only must they submit to God's authority and not only must they reveal God's glory in their work. Thirdly, in chapter 10, we're going to see that godly leadership must also be willing to accept God's discipline. They got to be willing to accept God's discipline. All right, let's take a look today. I'm going to read um, Leviticus chapter 10. As I shared with you all on Sunday, there are only 20 verses um, in these in this particular chapter, but there is so much in this chapter that I've got to dive into and I want to really break down and make sure that we understand. All right. So let's let's read, if you will, uh, a few verses and uh, then we'll stop along the way and we'll talk a little bit. Uh, Leviticus chapter 10. Let's look, first of all, at verses one, two and three. I want I want to show you something here in verses one, two and three. Well, I tell you what, let's go ahead and just read the entire chapter and then we'll go back and look at a few things as we walk through Leviticus chapter 10, beginning of verse one, the English standard version appears on the screen. The word of God says, now Nadab and Abihu, 
the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uzael, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, come near, carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So they came near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses has said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Elysia and Ithamar, his sons, do not let the hair of your heads hang loose and do not tear your clothes, lest ye die and wrath come upon all the congregation. But let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning that the Lord has kindled. And do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest ye die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. And the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, drink no wine or strong drink, you and your sons with you. When you go into the tent of meeting, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. Look at verse 10. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, my God, and between the unclean and the clean, lest, and you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes of the Lord. Let me read verse 11 again. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statues that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. Verse 12, Moses spoke to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his surviving sons. Take the grain offering that is left of the Lord's food offerings and eat it unleavened beside the altar, for it is most holy. You shall eat it in a holy place because it is your due and your son's due from the Lord's food offerings, for I am so commanded. But the beast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed, you shall eat in a clean place, you and your sons and your daughters with you. But they are given as your due and your sons due from the sacrifices of the peace offerings of the people of Israel. The thigh that is contributed and the breast that is waved they shall bring with the food offerings of the fat pieces to wave for a wave offering before the Lord. It shall be yours and your sons with you as a due forever, as the Lord has commanded. Now Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering, and behold, it was burned up. And he was angry with Eliza and Ithamar, the surviving sons of Aaron, saying, why have you not eaten the sin offering in the place of the sanctuary? Since it is a thing most holy and has been given to you that you may bear the iniquity of the congregation to make atonement for them before the Lord. Behold, its blood was not brought into the inner part of the sanctuary. You certainly ought to have eaten it in the sanctuary as I commanded my God verse 19 and Aaron said to Moses behold today they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord and yet such things as these have happened to me if I had eaten the sin offering of today if I had eaten the sin offering today would the Lord have approved verse 20 and when Moses heard that, he approved. My God, the grass withers, the flowers fade, the word of our God does stand forever. Here's the thing that we see here. Here's the thing, here's the thing. At the inauguration 
of Israel's sacrifice system, which we have already covered in the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus, what we find is that this early in the process, this early in their service of leadership, two of Aaron's four sons commit a a very serious and a very heinous act that went against God's instructions. Now, already we are seeing a very powerful principle that needs to be shared. Remember now, God is a God of specifics for a purpose. God expects his instructions to be carried out exactly like he gives them. Everything that God was supposedly had given to Moses, everything that Moses had instructed Aaron and his sons to do pertaining to the, to the sacrifices, pertaining to their altar worship, pertaining to their duties as priest had to be done exactly like God said. But according to verse one, we find already that this grand celebration has now turned tragic simply because these two sons, Nadab and Abihu, did something where, and if you think about it, I can't help but think about hearing my mother when I did things that I knew better. The first thing that she would quickly say is, now you know better than that. We see that right here in the lesson. It's right here. The sons took their censer and they put fire in it and they laid incense on it. But here's the thing. They offered an unauthorized fire. Uh-huh. They authorized, they presented an authorized fire before the Lord. It was a fire, look right there in verse one, that they were commanded not to bring, all right? Bible history doesn't tell us what exactly or how exactly they aired, but it is clear that what they presented to God was not what God instructed to be brought to him. In other words, they knew better, but they did what they wanted to do. Can I say that again? They knew better, but they did what they wanted to do. I'm gonna say it a third time. They knew better, but they did what they wanted to do. What a lesson for us in the church, particularly in church leadership, because church leadership should know better and know not to do what you wanna do. Amen. I'm gonna say that because that's not just limited to the priests, that was limited to the elders. If I could make it live for the church in 2023, if you hold a leadership position in the church, you just can't do what you wanna do. You can't do how you wanna do, all right? In, in any church, well, let me make that live. In St. James Missionary Baptist Church, there is structure, there is order, there is process, there is procedure. You cannot do what you want to do because you don't like the process. You cannot do what you want to do because the procedure makes you uncomfortable. The processes and the procedures and the systems and the structures are there because, can I say it like I feel it? It is not just about you. There are others that are involved. So here's what we see. God gave specific instructions. God gave specific orders and Nadab and Abihu did what they wanted to do. In other words, as Dr. Tony Evans says, <coughs> excuse me, they did not sin in ignorance. I want to say that again. They did not sin in ignorance. The fire was an unauthorized fire. Amen. It was an unauthorized fire. And because it was an unauthorized fire, according to verse two, the fire that came from the Lord killed them. Fire came out from before the Lord. It consumed them and they died before the Lord, leaving Moses to ask them in verse three, among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. This is God speaking. 
Moses reminds them, if I could put it in J.T. Worthy's version, that God is not your friend, God is not your pal, God is not your buddy. God is holy. And because God is holy, he should be respected, he should be revered, he should be looked at as the holy one that he is. All right? So so let's really take a look here and let's see what took place. Because what we see here, point A of our handout um, under uh, point number three A, is we must understand that we've got to make sure that we are properly handling the things of God. I want to say that again. We got to make sure that we are properly handling the holy things of God. God is not something to be played with. God is not something to be toyed with. God is not something that we should take lightly. God should be held in high regard. God should be held in high esteem. When God issues a command, he means for it to be obeyed because he is the pure, the perfect, and the powerful creator of the universe. Don't play with God, beloveds. That's that's the whole point. Don't take what God says lightly. Don't, don't, don't water down God's message. And that's exactly what Nadab and Abihu did by taking advantage of the instructions. All right. We see here in the remaining verses that there were six things that Nadab and Abihu did wrong, thus causing God to discipline them. Let me put all six of them on the screen for you. There they are. The six things that they did wrong. What were the six things, Pastor? First thing, it was the wrong people. That's number one. They were they were not to be handling the incense and presenting it to the Lord. According to Exodus chapter 30, verses 7 through 10, that was the task of Aaron, not Nadab and Abihu. Secondly, it was the wrong instruments. They used their own censer instead of the censer of the high priest, which according to Exodus chapter 40, verse nine, was filled with a special anointing oil. Thirdly, they acted at the wrong time because this censer being offered was only supposed to be offered on the day of atonement. Only on the day of atonement. Only on the day of atonement. Oh my God. Only on the day of atonement, according to Leviticus chapter 16, verse one. Fourthly, they acted with the wrong authority. The wrong authority. They didn't consult Moses. They didn't talk to Aaron. They did what they wanted to do and felt like it was all right. As a matter of fact, they did, according to the King James Version, they presented a strange fire. English Standard Version says unauthorized fire. There was another uh, uh, uh place in scripture where they said that they presented the wrong fire. All right. Uh, and that, that was because according to chapter 16, verse 12, the high priest is commanded to burn the incense on the coals taken from the brazen altar. But what did they do? Nadab and Abihu supplied their own fire and God rejected it. They acted with the wrong motive and did not seek to glorify God alone. Mm -hmm. It's right there in verse three. It's right there in verse three. Look at verse three. Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. In other words, don't try to take my glory on yourself. Don't try to seek glory for yourself. If it is not for me, 
It is wrong. It is wrong. The wrong people, the wrong instruments, the wrong time, the wrong authority, the wrong fire. And then finally, according to uh, verses nine and 10, they depended upon the wrong energy, the wrong energy. What do you mean by that, Pastor? In verses nine and 10, the, the implies that they were under the influence of something else. The Lord said to them, to Aaron, drink no wine, nor strong drink, you and your sons with you. When you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. In other words, you should be so filled with the spirit of God that you don't allow anything else to take control of you. Ephesians 5.18 says that we should not be drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be filled with the spirit of God. In other words, if every child of God would basically substitute their fleshly energy for the power of the Holy Spirit, there would not be flesh on parade. So, so they had to be disciplined because they were the wrong people doing things that they, they were doing things they shouldn't be doing. They were using things they shouldn't have been using. They were doing it at the wrong time. They were not authorized by God to do it. The wrong fire, which represent the purification and the pureness of God. It was the wrong fire. And then on top of that, it was the wrong energy, the wrong motive. All right. Now, the thing that I've got to stress to us that catches my attention here. Here's the thing that catches my attention. Do you all not realize that Nadab and Abihu were not outsiders? According to Exodus chapter 24, y'all, they were among those that met God on the mountain. All right. Why? Aaron was the high priest. So the four sons went with him. Go back to Exodus chapter 24, uh, verses 1 through 11. You'll see it there. All right. Their father was the high priest and they were trained in the service of God. But look at this. They were killed for disobedience. See, it's a serious thing, beloveds. And I got to stop right here and talk for a minute. It's a serious thing to be a servant of the Lord and allow our servanthood to be tainted because we are doing it in the wrong spirit for the wrong reasons, for the wrong motives. We must serve God as we are spirit led, or as I often say, not personality driven. We got to serve God with reverence. We got to serve God with holiness because Hebrews 12 verses 28 through 29 reminds us that our God is a consuming fire. So we see in verses three through 11 that Aaron is now sorrowful. Aaron had to watch as two of his cousins, according to verse four, take his son's corpses or his son's bodies out from the camp. In other words, Dr. Tony Evans says the sin of Nadab and Abihu led them from a place of God's presence to a place that symbolizes being rejected and discarded. And then what makes matters worse, look at verses six and seven. Look at verse six and seven. According to verse six and seven, Moses says to Aaron and to his sons, don't you let the hair of your head hang loose. Do not tear your clothes. Tearing your clothes in the Old Testament times was a sign of grieving. In other words, your son, your sons and your brothers did wrong. They faced God's discipline. Don't you grieve over disciplinary actions. Don't you grieve over disobedience. They were uh, told, they were forbidden not to even grieve, all right? 
Now, now, now that that left me sort of caught. This is one of those areas that really sort of caught me. Uh, that I've as I, as I shared as many times as I have preached from this particular text, I never saw this. But the thing that it got me to understand is letter B of our handout is making sure that we understand that when God brings discipline, God brings discipline to warn the entire nation. God brings discipline to warn the entire nation. All right. With the privileges of ministry comes responsibility and sacrifices. All right. Aaron wasn't permitted to mourn the death. He had to remain in the tabernacle and complete the ceremony of ordination. All right. His nephews had to handle the burial of the bodies. All right. But the whole point of that, look at this, was God basically bringing judgment to warn the whole nation. In other words, God had to make an example out of one to teach everybody else that he was not to be played with. All right. He wanted them to understand that serving me is serious work. Living for me is, is, is not something that you can just play with my relationship with God, not, not, as a preacher pastor, but just as a man, my relationship with God is too important for me to play with it or to let others play with it. My relationship with God is too serious for me to allow my relationship. Let's go back to the early portion of the book of Leviticus to be shifted from holy to common. And can I tell y'all, beloveds, this is what is happening in our world today. Sad but true. Our worship, our walk, our witness, our, 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 our relationships with God are becoming common. It's every day. We come to church if we feel like it. We serve if we feel like it. We do if we feel like it. If we don't, then we won't. And then we wonder, God help me say this, we wonder why certain things happen to us when we step out of line with God's word, will, and way. We wonder why certain tragedies come. Why does that happen? Anytime you step out of the will of God for your life, it's not gonna go right. I can tell you that from personal experience, that there were times even in my life and it hadn't been too long ago when I chose to do what I wanted to do instead of doing what God told me to do. And I had to pay the consequence. God still loves me much like we were sharing Sunday with Adam. God still loves me. God doesn't let my suffering last forever. God shows me favor even after my failures, but I still have to pay the price for disobedience. See, it wasn't enough for the priest to merely to teach the people the difference between the holy and the unholy or the holy and the common. The priests have to also be willing to practice it, have to be willing to practice it. And since Moses was concerned, lest any other commandment of the Lord be disobeyed and God's judgment fall again in verses 12 through 20, the remaining verses of the chapter, he continues to tell Aaron and his sons continue with this consecration, this ordination process, continue to do what God has instructed. They were to eat of the peace offering or the fellowship offering. Go back to Leviticus chapter seven, where we talked about the fellowship offering, the purpose of the fellowship offering. All right. Which brings me to point C of our handout. The third thing that I need to make sure that you're grabbing today. Thirdly, discipline should teach us the importance of practicing holiness in our everyday living. Everyday living. Everyday living. They were to eat the fellowship offering. They were to eat part of the sin offering. All right. 
And then they were also to eat, I'm sorry, they were to eat of the sin offering. And Moses discovered that the sin offering had not been presented according to the law. And Aaron had not eaten it. But according to the final verses in verses 16 through 20, you began to see that he begins to bring some correction. And Aaron explains to him that he couldn't eat that offering with a good conscience because of the sorrow that was on him. In other words, God knew his heart and he wasn't going to attempt, God help me say this, to play with God by acting hypocritical, which is a good time. This is a good teachable moment. This is a good teachable moment. See, sometimes in service, we have to be so honest with ourselves and with God that if we don't feel like doing it, we're not going to go through the motion. If, if, if I'm ever so hurt or I'm ever so disappointed or my spirit is grieved and I am not honest enough to say my spirit is grieved and I try to go on with it like nothing's happening, then something is wrong. Somewhere, y'all, we have developed this disconnect, which is one of the reasons why some folk don't want to fool with church anymore. Teach JT Worthy. We try to paint this picture and put on this mask like everything is wonderful and everything is fine, even though our hearts are broken, even though our spirits are grieved. Sad but true. Sometimes we take scripture so far out of context so far out of context that we are actually missing the mark or the message of scripture. Aaron knew that just to do it, just to be doing it, uh, 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 a mechanical observance and his heart wasn't in it would not have pleased God. See, see, here's the thing you got to remember. Does not the word tell us that while man looketh at the outer appearance, God is looking at our hearts. Even in a series or a system of discipline, we gotta realize that just because we don't agree with it don't mean we fight it, amen. And I'm gonna say this because I wanna help somebody. I wanna help somebody understand that it's your relationship with God, not your history in the church, that makes anything worthwhile. What good is it for you to be a part of a church 20, 30, 40, 50 years and your heart's not in it? If your heart's not in it, then guess who's suffering? You're suffering, especially when you come and try to go through the motion like you're with it and know you're not with it. I guess that's why the word of God teaches us that in all of our getting, get an understanding so that your heart would be right. See, the law didn't allow Aaron to express his grief, but it didn't forbid him to fast because fasting was a way that showed his grief for the loss of his two sons. What, what's, what's the point that we're trying to get over here? Here's the point that we need to understand. Here's the point. Here's the point. We must understand, beloveds, that as leaders, not as we submit to God's authority, as we reveal God's glory, we also have to be willing to recognize that when we don't do things right, God is going to discipline us. And it should prompt us and it should lead us and it should guide us to always make sure that everything we do is done not only in the right action and in the right atmosphere, but remember that third one, it's got to be done with the right attitude. Because y'all, if any one of those three are wrong, it can be rejected by God. If my attitude is right and the atmosphere is wrong, guess what? It can affect my worship. It can affect my service. If the atmosphere is right and my actions are wrong, it affects the service. Amen. My, my, my attitude can be right. My atmosphere can be right. But if I'm doing it for the wrong reason, it throws it off. Action, atmosphere, attitude. Those three are still in play, even with godly discipline. 
So let me wrap up this lesson by sharing with us some life applications. How, how does this standard for spiritual leadership apply to our lives? How does this apply to us as believers? There, there are a few things and I'm going to put them all on the screen and just walk through them together. We got about six of them that we see from chapters eight, nine, and 10 that should be applied to our lives. All right. Number one, godly leadership must obey. We must obey God. Then there is no ifs, no ands, no buts, no getting around it. We must obey God. We got to do it God's way. We have to do it the way God says do it, how God says do it, when God says do it. God is a, here's a word that you haven't heard me use much. He's a sovereign God. That means he can do what he wants, when he wants, whenever he wants, how he wants. And he expects us to follow his instructions. Godly leadership must obey. Secondly, godly leadership must be dedicated. Must be dedicated. You don't just do it when you want to and quit when you get ready. You don't just serve when you can get your way and then when you can't get your way, you just quit serving. Can I make that live? Can I please let me make that live? You just can't come to church when they singing your song. And when they won't let you have the lead, you stay off the choir. You you can't you can't serve in in leadership because that's where you been and that's where you want to be. You got to follow the procedure, follow the process, accept the standards. Thirdly, godly leadership must be sold out to him. It must be sold out to him. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. It's got to be about him. If it is not about him, I'm thinking about uh, the late Deacon James Dancy, who used to say that all the time in his prayers. Lord, teach us that it is not about us, but it is all about you. If it's going to work, if it's going to live, it's got to be done to glorify him. We've got to totally surrender our lives to him. Fourth application from this lesson. Godly leadership serves God by serving people. Mm, let me say that one more time. Godly leadership serves God by serving people. We dedicate ourselves to God, all right? And because we dedicate ourselves to God, we minister to all and for all and first of all for God's glory. No matter what we do in our service, no matter what we do, if God doesn't get the glory out of our service, there can be no blessing. All right. Fifth thing, fifth thing, <clears throat> fifth thing that I want to apply to today's lesson. Godly leadership has got to serve with some level of responsibility. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus said these words, to whom much is given, much will be required. So if you are having great responsibility, let me make it live. There is great responsibility upon me as your servant leader. I must serve understanding that there is a great level of responsibility. I'm responsible, first of all, to God. First of all, to God, I am responsible for your soul. That's 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 what Romans 13 tells me. That's why the word of God tells you that you have to obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Verse 17, because they watch for your souls and you want them to watch for your souls with joy and not with grief, because if I serve you with grief, that is unprofitable for you. See, we are quick to quote that passage from Proverbs that says that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. But let's not leave out Romans 13, 17. 
that tells us that when you walk in disobedience to those that God has placed over you, you are causing them to serve with grief. Teach JT Worthy. Amen. It is unprofitable for either one of us. Nothing gets done and God is not glorified. And then six and finally, the six and final life application that I need to make sure that we understand from this lesson, godly leadership must understand that our greatest joy in life should be to serve the Lord and bring glory to his name. Everything I do, everything I say, God, I want you to be glorified. I want you to receive the honor. I want you to receive the praise. I want to be found as Psalm two verse 11 says, serving the Lord with fear, with respect and rejoicing with trembling. I need to be so happy in the things that are happening and the way God is moving and the way God is blessing. I need to serve God much like we saw last week in chapter nine, that when they served and they offered unto God, like God said it, God will send his glory upon the people and provide his seal of approval. Let me tell you something, beloveds. If you are a part of a church where you are witnessing the true power and the true presence and the true provision of God, that is God's seal of approval that we are walking according to his will, his way, and his word. And I'm going to say this. You don't let two or three stop you from missing out on your blessing because they don't like it. Just because they don't like it don't mean that it's not what God said. Amen. That's what we found in today's lesson. Nadab and Abihu missed it because they wanted to do their own thing and disrespect the order of God and disobey the instruction of God. And they paid the price for it. I'm not saying that God will not take life. That's not what I'm saying. But God will put you in a place where you will feel like, why am I here? The joy will be taken from you. Can't help but tell, I I can't help but think about this. When I first went into ministry uh, back in 1991, uh, when I first went into ministry and I felt the Lord calling me into ministry, into preaching his gospel, I was directing choirs at that time. I was, and and those, I've got some folks watching today who are a part of the Mount Vernon Baptist Church in Charlotte who understand that during my early days of ministry, I directed choirs. I was the minister of music. I was the musician. That's where I started. But it got to a place that I lost my joy in directing choirs and working with the music department at Mount Vernon. I got to the point I lost my joy. And I lost my joy because God was calling me to a place, watch this, that I did not necessarily want to go. But I can tell you now, some 32 years later, that I am so grateful to God that I heard God's voice and I submitted to God's instructions, doing things God's way. Because the moment that I surrendered, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. It was the fourth Sunday night in September of 1991. I'll never forget it. When I finally submitted to God's call on my life, I was sitting in the St. Luke Missionary Baptist Church of Charlotte that Sunday night. It was the opening night of their revival. And Pastor Keith Martin, who now pastors in Washington, D.C., made a statement that night. I'll never forget it. He said he was dealing with the man who laid at the gate beautiful, who was asking for alms. And Peter and John went and said to him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee. Pastor Martin said that night that there are so many people, even in church, who are trying to find joy in places where God has moved them from. He said the boy was crippled and was missing out on his healing because what he wanted was not what God wanted for him. 
And I want to share this in closing today, beloveds. I want to make sure that you understand that when it comes to the instructions of God, it's got to be done God's way. And when you do it God's way, you'll discover God's way is the best way. I can tell you now, 32 years later, I have so much joy in serving God. I have so much joy in ministry. I have so much joy in serving you at this season as your servant leader, as your pastor. I have so much joy in serving in the various areas of ministry beyond the pulpit of St. James Church. I have so much joy in it because I now realize that it was not what I wanted, but it was what God said. What's the standard for spiritual leadership? The standard for spiritual leadership is we got to make sure that what we're doing is in alignment with what God says. Submit to godly authority. If you would submit to godly authority, God's glory, God's stamp of approval will reveal itself upon you. And even when you go wrong, God will bring correction and conviction to you to make sure you stay on the right path. This has been a powerful word. This has been a powerful lesson. And I pray today that that this lesson from Leviticus chapters 8, 9, and 10 will help all of us in leadership understand that we got a charge to keep, y'all. We got a God that we must glorify. And we can only keep the charge and glorify God when we submit to his authority, allow his glory to be revealed in us. And then even when we do wrong, accept the discipline, repent and make it right. Amen. Listen, next week we continue looking at chapters 11 and 12 um, as we get into a third portion of, of our study. We're going to take a look at the third standard for spiritual success. We've talked about the standard of worship. We've talked about the standard of leadership. Next week, we're going to take a look at Leviticus chapters 11 and 12, dealing with standards for godliness. All right. In this particular um, portion of scripture, in chapters 11 and 12, we are going to deal with how we should represent in the kingdom, how we should represent. We've talked about worship. We've talked about leadership. Let's talk about representation, how we should represent God, how we should represent ourselves in the kingdom of God. And of course, as always, beloveds, if you have any questions from today's lesson, Leviticus chapter 10, please feel free to drop those questions in the comment section. Um, depending upon how things are flowing, um, we will be behind the scenes um, answering your questions as they appear in both sessions today. Uh, we will be behind the scenes and we'll be more than happy to be found answering your questions pertaining to today's lesson. Again, I'm certainly grateful and thankful to God that we've had this opportunity to share God's word with you. I'm grateful that this word has a seed and I pray that it is a seed sown in good soil, that it springs up and bring forth fruit uh, worthy of repentance to the glory and the honor of God. Listen, as I have done throughout our course of study, I would dare leave out this moment to perhaps give someone an opportunity to make it right with God. What must I do to be saved? Romans chapter 10 verses nine and 10 says that if you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and you would believe in your heart that God have raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Bible declares, whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall not be put to shame. If you don't know him and want to get to know him, if you're not saved and want to give your life to Christ, I ask right now that you would find that comment section, um, no matter what streaming feed that you're on, find that comment section, give me your name and give me a five word declaration. Simply put, I want to be saved. We're going to see that 
and in just a moment, information is going to appear on the screens as to how you may reach out to us so that we may reach out to you and give you further instructions as to how you can accept Jesus Christ and equally become a part of the St. James family, whether it is physically or virtually. There is the St. James Missionary Baptist Church. If you are in or near the city of Rocky Mount, we invite you to become a part of our physical church family uh, in Rocky Mount. If you are somewhere across God's great globe and have seen something or have experienced something in the ministry of St. James Church and you desire to connect so that you can continue to grow in your walk and in your relationship with God, prayerfully consider becoming a part of the St. James Missionary Baptist Church Beyond Walls. We welcome you with open arms and we would be more than happy to welcome you in to our family wherever you are. Again, I'm grateful to God that I've had this opportunity to share God's word with you. And I thank God for this privilege and this opportunity to my Tuesday morning in-person class. Thank you so much for understanding uh, our desire to avoid confusion to the best of our abilities um, between General Baptist and of course your first lady. I just did not want to chance it either way. So thank you so much for understanding, but I look forward to being back with you all next Tuesday in person uh, at 1130 at the church. Um, in the way of announcements, let me quickly announce tomorrow at 12 noon. Do not forget our time of prayer from 12 until one tomorrow on the prayer line. Certainly invite you to connect uh, with us. Um, I am pleased to announce to you uh, that Minister Stephanie Barnes is our new uh, minister of midday prayer. She will take charge of midday prayer. And uh, I want to invite you to connect with Minister Stephanie on Wednesdays at 12 noon for an hour of power each Wednesday for prayer. Do not forget um, women's choir members. Do not forget choir rehearsal on Thursday um, at 6.30, 6.30 Thursday evening. Um, all members of the women's choir look forward to seeing you uh, in rehearsal on Thursday. Don't forget Cyber Sunday School replays on tomorrow evening at six o'clock. And then on Thursday, our New Testament word walk, we are continuing our study of the book of Colossians. Um, we are looking at Colossians chapter two this week and uh, would invite you to join us for that time in the word as well. Don't forget this coming Sunday is the fifth Sunday. Uh, we are having worship this Sunday morning. It is NFL Sunday at St. James Church as we are repping our teams on Sunday. And so I want to invite you to come and join us as we worship and fellowship together. Um, our women's choir will be singing for the first time this Sunday, and we're excited about hearing from them on Sunday morning. And as the Lord shall say the same, there is a word for his people um, that we will be sharing on Sunday. Let's continue to remember those who are sick, the afflicted, the careless, the unconcerned, families whose hearts are saddened in bereavement. Let's continue to keep them in our thoughts and in our prayers. It is my will, but it's got to be the will of God. We look forward to being with you again next Tuesday for another walk through the book of Leviticus. Heavenly Father, in Jesus name, I thank you for this time that you've given us to come together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the strength of your word. Thank you that our steps are ordered by your word. God, I pray today that all that has been done and said has been found pleasing in your sight and to the glory of your name. Bless us, Father. Help us, Father, to be found doing those things that are pleasing in your sight. This is our prayer, God. We offer it now in the name of he who was, he who is, and he who is to come. Our Lord and Savior Jesus, we pray and we praise. Amen. Amen and amen. Blessings upon all of you is our prayer. Continue to have a great rest of the day, rest of the week. Look to see you throughout the course of the week and would certainly love to see you Sunday morning. Don't forget, Sunday school is back in person on Sunday mornings at 9.15. Morning worship begins at 10.30. Uh, don't forget transportation. If you're in the Rocky Mount area and desire to come to worship with us and need transportation, our vans are back on the road. They are out picking up. All you have to do is call the church 
252-442-2318 and request to be picked up on Sunday morning. And uh, our van drivers are out on Sunday morning, making sure that you are picked up, brought to church for Sunday school and worship and carried back home safe and sound each and every Sunday morning. Blessings upon all of you is our prayer. Be blessed, be safe, and know as always, beloved, we love you all.